Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted to have you this week. Gentlemen, a, a really lovely, lovely spring day in Maryland. Started off kind of chilly. Got better. Charles, I'm assuming you spent most of it golfing. Uh, how, how, how's your day been? You know, funny you mention it. Um, I actually did spend half the day golfing, but not the golfing that I particularly um, enjoy and am actually decent at. I was spent the day, half the day disc golfing, actually, um, with, of which I am much worse at than actual golf. <laughs> uh, it was quite a humbling experience. Um, usually when I go golfing, I'm, I can hold my own. I went with, with two good friends and I was clearly the worst player there. <laughs> In fairness, was it Logan and Matt? It was Logan and Josh. Um, Logan and jo- okay, Logan, I know for sure is like a very good disc golfer. So no shame. I, I had one great shot. I made a birdie, which, you know, I barely make birdies when I play actual golf. So to make one on like my first real time doing disc golf, pretty great. It was a great shot. This is like, you know, 30 yards away, right into the basket. I don't know if I'm using the right terms, but here we are. I'm tracking everything you're saying, so I think you're okay. I can picture it. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. You're good. <laughs> my Eli, how was your day? My day is fine. I, I'm Though I am getting a little tired of being inside. Like, I'm not tired of working from home. Please don't mishear me. I would much rather work from home than from my office. But I also want to go outside more because it's pretty out. And I want to go on runs. And right now my work schedule is not conducive to uh, leaving my room. (laughs) That's fair. I... I haven't run in a minute. I've been like doing at home workouts, but I haven't actually gotten to run for a while. So I have to get up like pretty early to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that's okay. We'll summer will hit and we'll just, we'll we'll just run a marathon together. It's going to be great. Um, I didn't say all that. A marathon's a lot. (laughs) 5k. Charles ran a 5k with me once. We can find a 5k somewhere. That's right. T-shirts. Sure. Commemorate the occasion. We were going to run a 5k before COVID hit. (laughs) We still have the shirt two years in a row and I now. have my sign. <laughs> I have my little ticket for it. Yeah, whatever. Eventually, eventually. eventually. Uh, my day was fine. It's been this weird thing where because we haven't been in the building, we have technically this amount of fire drills we have to go through. Mm. And so we've done like four in the past month. And there's like a, less than a quarter of students <laughs> present. And so it's like, a fire drill but it's just this small group of people who's just kind of looking at each other and like oh well okay are we good We're and then fine. we just go back into the building and it's, yeah. it's really weird so we had a fire drill today which was nice because i didn't realize how, how lovely it was outside um so we got to got to enjoy that but yeah it was that was the most exciting thing about my day if that gives you any indication of how hybrid learning is going <laughs> You poor thing. I feel I feel for teachers because I know what you're going through. <laughs> because of you, Jarrell, I feel for teachers. I feel for Sandy because she she's she's lovely and she'll just go, How was your day? And most days I'm like boring. 
That's it. <laughs> just really boring. There's not. There's honestly nothing to report. I. Yeah, it's really boring. Yeah. I, I occupy myself with podcast work and other things during work. Don't tell MCPS that. Anyway, getting to our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, all you have to do is email us three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's number three, then guys at the well, all one word at lower and lowercase at gmail.com. And our question this week, this is a personal question of mine. So I don't think we've actually like decided this as a group. Who is your favorite superhero? What is this based on superpower, personality? Like what is anything? I mean, it's your favorite superhero. So whatever like you weigh is like the highest. We could be here forever. Okay. Okay. Don't judge you for not having Iron Man as your favorite. No. No. See the disregard. Disregard the way you said that. (laughs) I so I have two answers because Iron Man. Hear that, Eli? Because Iron Man. I mean, what? have you seen? Have you seen Endgame? <laughs> have you seen Endgame? Get out of here! Yeah, you. And I love him because I, I think I've shared this before. At least I've shared this in Jesus in the movies. Which, if you haven't subscribed to become a patron, you should, so that you can listen to me talk about this a little bit more. Uh, become a patron. Um, but I love character development. I think that's a super important thing uh, in movies and TV shows. And if you think about Iron Man's arc from Iron Man 1 to Endgame, I can't think of a more redemptive character development arc. Um, more redemptive arc. Do you hear that, Eli? It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but I think that's the obvious answer. Eli. Um, so <laughs> I will also say uh, Spider-Man. I really like Spider-Man. Wait, which Spider-Man? Do you like Tobey Maguire? Do you like... That's a whole <laughs> other question because when I said Spider-Man, I was talking about the Marvel comic ah, book okay, character, good. not okay. a particular portrayal of that character by an actor that's a whole nother conversation you know what maybe that should be our uh sound check (laughs) i think that might be our sound check which of the three i'm struggling drew you go ahead go on your tony stark tirade go ahead so interestingly enough i don't know for sure if tony stark in iron man is my favorite superhero he's up there he's like top five probably top three easy um first one that came to my i've always loved batman like i'm not too familiar with like the comics other than like what's in the movies but i've always loved batman he's been one of my favorite superheroes since i was a kid so probably batman just because yeah from very very small Jarrell, batman's been great um in regards, so I don't have I don't have a ton of comics, and so most of my love of superheroes comes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so recently, I've really, I've really liked Thor, because I appreciate Thor. For someone who's like, as Guardians are kind of like, the equivalent of like gods to humans. Hashtag no blasphemy, 
Um, but he's just like this incredibly strong, incredibly powerful character. Um, but I love kind of like the Charles, I love character development. So his arc from Thor Ragnarok to Endgame is one of my favorites because you see him brought so low where like it's like his dad dies his sister appears and like tries to destroy his hometown and like takes out his eye his brother dies his best friend dies he has a chance to like save the world and he fails and then he just completely collapses in on himself and like just can't be bothered to try for five years and it's like I think that there, there's obviously ways that like we're gonna get really serious about a superhero movie uh thor doesn't embody like great coping mechanisms and kind of like uh lets things get the better of him but i love that he was allowed to be human like i love that like as a character he was allowed to like suffer and let the implica- implications of that suffering register for a long period of time because I think so much in superhero movies, and honestly, this is a whole this is a whole other tangent. Um, but in the way that like society pretends to understand men, in the way that the church pretends to understand men, there's this kind of like, oh yeah, sometimes bad things happen, but you just kind of carry on. And I love that for Thor, he didn't like he he kind of just stopped and grieved poorly, but grieved. And I think that there's there's a conversation there. That, to have it's like very healing about you know you don't want to grieve in a way that will take you farther away from the lord or lead you to make bad decisions but i love that thor was allowed to be human and allowed to be weak and i think that's good for people to see i think that's good for men to see that like it's okay to be broken by things it's okay to like allow things to like bring you to nothing and to allow jesus to bring you back up and obviously that wasn't the theme of the avengers movies but I just like that in Thor. I, I I appreciate his weakness and letting himself kind of just not be okay for an extended period of time. I think that's very healing when it's like transferred into a good um, outlet. Um, but yeah, if if not, they got more serious than I intended. But if that if not Thor, um, I think, geez, oh, Pete, uh, either Iron Man or Black Panther. Um, I I just really appreciate them both as characters for in Iron Man the redemptive arc that you see him go on and for Black Panther just kind of yeah being a huge figurehead in the black community for the last like five years and yeah Miss Chadwick Boseman very much (laughs) definitely um so for Marvel I want to echo the Black Panther notion um because i love the idea of heroic legacy that it is through a family line or that it is through a line of leadership that one is handed a particular mantle of responsibility i like the idea that like his ancestors could be like his family tree literally a bunch of different panthers could be tapped into and like history was a part of him was a part of their culture and i like that dc um I re- I've always loved the Green Lantern Corps. Um, the movie with with Ryan Reynolds was atrocious. It was flaming hot garbage. And even he is embarrassed by it. <laughs> and he should be. 
It was the first movie, as Charles will tell you, I have a very bad track record of falling asleep during movies. <laughs> but it was the first movie I fell asleep on in theaters. Yeah, you didn't miss much. No. <laughs> you missed a uh, really uh, poor budget. And <laughs> yeah, I've always, I like the comic book, um, Green Lantern Corps. And I like Jon Stewart. I like Hal Jordan. I like... Uh, I like the fact that there is this degree of not just unif- uh, not just unity, but also a bit of uniformity in how they like dress themselves. Like it, it, it is very much so this intergalactic military or police force that um, the goal is to protect in a really honest and good way. And I like that representation of that kind of responsibility. I also like the fact that it is this organization where people of all races and even planets and species are joined together in this equal effort. I love, yeah, I really like the aesthetic and I really like the purpose of the Green Lantern Corps. They're nifty. Noise. I'm not too familiar with the Green Lantern Corps aside from not really the movie. I don't remember much of the movie. Good, good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Very good. Well, we are we are at the penultimate episode of season five, Back to Basics, a Bible study of First John. And we are talking about First John chapter five, verses one through twelve. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. John kicks off chapter five with one of his favorite things to talk about: God's commandments. And he does this to encourage readers to embrace them, not as burdens, but as proof of God's victory in our daily lives. He then gives a brief but insightful explanation of the Trinity, once again exhorting readers to check themselves and consider whether or not they live in light of these truths. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But He who believes that Jesus is the son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood, and is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not 
have life. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this passage to kick off the beginning of 1 John chapter 5? Okay, so real quick, at least for me personally, I was definitely tracking i've been able to track the messaging of this letter like john starts off at the beginning of it writing with much of the same language he's used in his gospel in his gospel account and like right jesus was present at the beginning he's the word of life he's the light of life to know him is to know god uh we're to exhibit godly love for brothers and sisters in the church there are signs that you're a child of god and that you have his spirit um and ultimately John seems to be writing towards this climax of everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And it's like, wow, that is a major uh, climax. That's a major point. That's, a, that's an empowering conclusion that in Christ, we overcome the world. We overcome sin and temptation. We overcome brokenness. Like we're free from that in Christ. What a, what a thing. It's true. It's epic. It's, I'm tracking, right? And then starting in chapter five, verse six, John takes all of this momentum and does what I thought was a lane change. The tone of the letter shifts for me. Uh, like, we were just talking about overcoming the world, and now you're back to water and blood. Like, what, what exactly, why did you go back to that? So I did a little bit of digging. And a major component of this letter um, was actually, or major purpose of this letter um, was to rebuke the assertions of a particular false teacher at the time. His name was Serenthus. Uh, and Serenthus claimed that Jesus, he was a Gnostic. And Serenthus, like many other Gnostics, claimed that Jesus was not born of a virgin birth, was the biological son of Joseph, and that the Holy Spirit left him before his death on the cross. And so that's actually why he's talking about spirit, water, and blood being one. Um, basically, Serenthus actually wrote his like uh, his own bootleg gospel, the Gospel of Serenthus. Put his like, name out there, Eli. <laughs> Let him know. <laughs> He's fake. He's fake. He's a false. But like that's actually why John was talking earlier on about false teachers and antichrists because he's referring in part to this Gnostic movement that was trying to rob Christ of his divinity um, as they wrote about him and preached about him, um, and. That's why in chapter five, verse five, verse five, at least in my translation, uh, John wrote, who is it that overcomes the world, right? So he takes that really large conclusion, and then he brings it back to this one truth. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God, like that's who overcomes the world. And that's, and like Serenthus was saying, no, Jesus is not the son of God. He was born of Joseph and Mary by, like, by themselves. And John is like, uh, no, 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 I walked with him. You don't know nothing, Serenthus. Back up. And it just reminded me that along with making new disciples, the apostles were constantly swatting away all of these lies about the circumstances and situations that Christ was in while he was on earth. Um, and it's just critical to remember that it's not only important to make disciples, but also to sustain them so that they can remain in their discipleship to Jesus. Um, and so once again, after doing a little bit of background checking, this, I don't know, it, it put this letter in context for me. It was just like, yeah, John was actually fighting a battle. This wasn't just a letter of encouragement and truth to disciples. It was also like, be weary because there are people who are after your understanding of who God is. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. 
That's super helpful. Um, Because, yeah, there is a shift in tone in that. And it's kind of like, why? Oh, right. Because he's very intentionally going after someone and he builds this climax. And then he's like, but you actually also, we need to come back to the basics, which is the, the, you know, the name of this is back to the basis, overcome the world, who overcomes the world, the son of God. Jesus was the son of God. And I real, and one of the things that I realized is that John had, is a, has a very particular uh, point of view and reference to prove that, you know, he talks about the human testimony. There are three things that testify the spirit, water, and blood. And I think in our, who is John episode, we talked about how John was the only apostle who was left at the foot of the cross. So he's the only one who actually saw the water and blood pour from his body, which was prophesied to happen to the Messiah. So like, he's like, um, I know what I'm talking about. I was there. <laughs> I just made so much noise. My aunt is going to, I, I need, you better preach Charles. Yeah, well. <laughs> Amen to everything you just said. Right, which gets back so much to the intimacy and authority with which John writes this letter. Like he doesn't write it as like these vague platitudes of like Christian life, but he's like, yo, I walked with Jesus. I watched him die. Like everything he does is a call back to like, remember like God made man who walked among us. Remember how he lived and keep those things in mind. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for put, for pointing that out, Charles. I think like I, I bolded this in our, our planning document, but it's uh the second half of verse three through verse five, where John starts to talk about the commandments. And this is what really jumped out to me. Um, but it said, it says that and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Like you both mentioned, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. And like, I, I love all of that. this like vision of overcoming, but particularly, um, through the end of verse three and verse four, verse four, and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I, there's so much life in that. And there's so much, I think, promise in that. Um, and it says, does his commandments are not burdensome. And that's so important, I think, to like really take some time to think about, because I think that there is a, uh, immature processing of faith and of Christianity that comes to a conclusion that, well, God wouldn't ask me to do something that I wouldn't want to do. And it's like, he absolutely would. He absolutely would because he's a good father and because he loves you. And it's like, if, if Charles says to Aaliyah, you need to eat your vegetables, it's because he knows it's good for you. He might know, like, yeah, he, she's not a fan of that. And I, I don't know. I don't have dinner time in your house. But it was like, yeah, she might not be, be feeling it. But it's like, I know as her father, this is good for her. So, yeah, I will ask this of her um, with the knowledge that it is something that she will grow into and learn to appreciate in the same way that Jesus says, like, the, the John says, this is the faith that like overcomes the world, that overcomes our flesh, that overcomes our temptations. And I think we need to be wary of that. Um, I, I've seen like I've seen people go down that lens of Christianity. It was like, well, there's no there, 
God, to them where God doesn't make sense if he asks me to do things I don't want to do. And it's like, because God is who he is, because he is sovereign, because he, through his son, has overcome the world, he absolutely will. But in the confidence that because Jesus accomplished what he did on the cross, you also can share in that victory. And I, I think that's so important for, for us to recognize that the commandments are not intended to be burdensome. They're not intended to be these things that it's like, well, I really don't want to, but God asked me to. So it's all about just like keeping him happy. God puts those in place because he, more than anyone else in the world, more than ourselves, knows us as our creator and sets the commandments in place as a, as a way of giving us guidance to work in the way that we are designed to work right like if you if you like bought a microwave and you started like storing stuff and it's like i mean yeah you could do that that's that would work but that's not what it's intended for and if like you read the manual or like talk to the manufacturers like that's not what this is for this is what it's what it's for and the commandments are like god saying this is what you are you're made for they're not intended to be a burden they're intended to help you walk consistently in the life that I've called you to as your creator with the authority that I have as your creator. Um, and, and there's something there that I think challenges um, very importantly, a relativistic view of morality and of Christianity, but also like our own desires and our own flesh to say that like, yeah, the commandments aren't there to be like, Oh God, I, I guess I will. They're there so that we walk in fullness of life in the way that God has us to. There's promise there. There's joy there. And when we see them as such, when we see them as like, there's good for me there to like grasp and like keeping Lord's commandments out of love for him, then it makes it easier to keep them. And I don't, for me, I, that's a, that takes a lot of reminding, but I think it is worth saying up front, like, yeah, that's what it's for. It's not to just like make you do stuff you don't want to do. Yep, that's really stuck out to me too. And I think that's really hard to understand um, that like God might ask me to do things that I don't want to do. Um, and and sometimes we don't understand why I shouldn't do it. And that's where the tricky part is, is like, but I don't understand. Um, and I think this is this passage is helpful to say, well, actually, their intention is not to be burdensome. Their intention, actually, I wrote down, is to bring joy and freedom, not oppression. And to another example that I've used or that I've heard used is in terms of like law and order and rule. Like they bring joy and freedom and like order, right? Like imagine a basketball game with no rules. That would be chaos. You, there'd be, you know, if anything goes in a game and there's no rules in order, that's not a game. That's chaos. Um, and God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I'm going to create beings out of love, but there's going to be a rule and order. And I'm doing it not because the rule of the law, but because without this, it would be chaos. And I, God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. Um and and oftentimes, or I think probably all the time, 
I, I struggle with sometimes understanding what the Lord's asking me to do in terms of commandments. Like, I don't really, don't really fully understand it, but I know that this is for my good and for his glory. I also heard, I think, I don't know if we've heard this talk together. I'm not sure, guys, but there's um, this story of this, uh, this little boy who went camping with his, uh, with his family. Let's call him Sam. Uh, and they were setting up the, you know, their, their campsite and it was, you know, twilight getting dark and Sam went off exploring um, and he found this fence and he got really excited and he wanted to climb the fence and jump over to see what was on the other side. Cause you know, Sam's a little boy, he's an adventurer. And he started climbing the fence and his dad caught him and pulled him down and said, what well, stop, don't climb the fence, get down from there. And Sam was like, why? Like, I, it's not dangerous. I just want to go jump over the other side. He went to bed, went back to the fence the next morning and realized that there was a sign on the fence that said danger, cliff on the other side. And there was a cliff on the other side. And he realized that the fence wasn't there uh, and his dad wasn't, you know, like preventing him from doing something fun. The fence wasn't there to keep him out. It was to keep him safe. And the same is true for the commandments of the Lord. They're actually, even though, for me myself, sometimes I don't really understand why, but I know that God is a little bit more smarter than I am, and he's the one who made me, so they really are not intended to be burdensome. They can feel like it. <laughs> they really can feel like it, but actually, they're not burdensome, um, and that's how we show our, that's how we act out our love for the Lord, um, and it just so happens that one of the commandments that are burdensome uh, the second greatest one is to act out on love for others. Amen. Amen to everything that's been said by both of you. Um, just going to piggyback and just try to get the point across that, like along the lines of what you both were saying earlier, that about how God is not doing it to be oppressive or to be an abusive God. Um, we know, like scripture informs us that, and quite frankly, our lives inform us that like God loves us first. He's He made us out of love. He loved us while he was our enemies. He sent his son out of love for us. Christ died for us. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And shortly before the verse about being burdensome, uh, John wrote, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And I think when you think about, okay, I love God and therefore I will do this thing like my like, following commands is the fruit of having an affection for God. And I think it's easy to have or easier to have an affection for God when you actually look at his character rather than just looking at the rules that he's laying down and saying, well, I guess I'm going to, I guess I'm going to just do this because it says so. No, no, no. Let's look at actually, let's actually look at who God is and why he would call me to do such a thing. Let's look at the fact that he is love, as, as John has written a number of times here, that God is love in and of itself, that uh, God is holy and righteous and good, that God has good plans and he is all-knowing, that God is someone who is merciful and offers grace. Let's look at all of the good qualities and let me, like, even in the midst of me trying to be rebellious sometimes, let me just say, let me find one bad thing about God that I don't trust that actually fuels um, a reason to rebel. And I can never find one. I can never find a reason why God is not worthy of my obedience. He is absolutely trustworthy. He is absolutely worthy of all of my love, all of my affection, all of my fidelity, all of my honesty. He, there's, there's never been a day in my life where he's been 
a worthy recipient of me, of my, of my rebelliousness, of my disobedience. And I think when we look at the character of, of God and we see, oh, why wouldn't I obey somebody who is as good as this? Why wouldn't I obey someone who is actually holy, actually righteous, trustworthy, and not going to abuse me? Like, yeah, actually following God makes more sense than disobeying God. Yeah, that that was just a thought in my head. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, what's rooted in this uh, resistance, I think we all encounter in different ways, but what's rooted in this resistance of like, oh, the idea of keeping the commandments uh we've yeah. been kind of conditioned into well it's 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 legalistic and it's sure. uh outdated and you know applications of it absolutely can be but core to it is this idea that god is who he says he is and has yeah. an authority to speak into um my life in a way that no one else possibly could and that his commandments are intended for my good, not for subjugation or um, things that could be intended for ill. Um, and so there's this sense of like learning to trust God and know that like when he had like in the in the commandments, when he asks us to do something, it's it's for our good and for his glory. Something we say on this this podcast a lot that he uh, isn't interested um in just half-hearted expressions of faith um but like whole wants this wholeheartedly to be his because he knows for a fact that like what he has for us is better than anything else um could offer for it can offer us and so this is a sense of like trust and authority that when god speaks to us by way of commandments it is for our good because he has our best good in mind and that can be hard to trust at different uh times of our walk in faith at different seasons but just a sense that like i know that what, what god has asked me to do even if it's not entirely what i want to be doing in the moment is from this intimate knowledge of like this is how i'm designed to work best this is how he wants me to acknowledge and appreciate the joy that he has for me and I can have faith that even when it's not easy, it is still like the greatest good that I could do for myself in that in that moment. I love that, Jerome. I think it's I think one of the things that also serves as a struggle for a lot of us is, and this is anybody Christian or not, I mean Christians have a reason to contend for the faith, but even when we're stumbling in that, like Sin just comes so easy. So you think that it's you you find it burdensome because God's commands don't always come natural or rarely ever come naturally to you. And so it's like allowing your it's like submitting to God because you trust his character and giving him the time that he's going to take to rework you so that you take on a new nature. Like so that what he wants you to do what he's calling you to do, what he commands you to do, us to do, um, are things that you, as you were both have been saying, like, do become joyful. Like, resisting, I don't know, let's throw lust out there. Resisting lust is annoying when you're used to being a lustful person. 
but then when you find out that like that actually being chased or waiting for marriage or uh, handling your body with respect comes a lot of benefits like growing in your dignity like loving yourself and and being able to protect your body as something precious does actually feel good waiting until marriage and sharing that only in your marriage as i'm both i'm not married but both of you are i'm sure that feels good um be, like fidelity and trust feel good um not having your heart broken or feeling used like avoiding those things feels good and so like it may in the moment feel like i'm resisting something that comes naturally to me but in the like i'm not even going to say long run actually in the short run it can oftentimes you can see the benefits of doing what god told you to do in the first place because you realize oh wait this is actually for my good this is actually something that can make me healthy this is actually something that gets me free and like oh wait god actually wants me to overcome the world god doesn't doesn't want me to be a slave to my affections or to my urges or to anybody else, quite frankly. He doesn't want me to be a slave um, to someone else's abuses. Um, he wants me to serve him and that's for his glory, but it is also for my benefit. And yeah, I, th I don't know, the church has lost a, a little bit of its rhetoric in framing the truth in a way that is like, I don't know, this, this is good. Like resisting doesn't suck all the time. <laughs> and it sucks sometimes, I'm not gonna lie about that. But like, yeah, conquering sin does actually feel good. Praise be to God. Absolutely. And there's like this confidence, like even when it does suck, it's in a process of sharing in the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross, which like sucked. Um, but for the glory of God and for our good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all for this week. Next week, we will be wrapping up our back to basics season and a study of first john um thank you so much for listening you can check us out at, at thewell.podbean.com we upload new episodes just about every monday on podbean itunes spotify and google podcasts you can also connect with us on instagram and facebook by searching three guys at the well and if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our current justice series and our current series of Jesus in the movies. Until then, we'll talk to you next week here at The Well.